0: Studying for exams is tough at the best of times, but trying to learn new material, then learn how to answer multi choice questions, is an art form in itself. In this episode, I'll be discussing my top five study tips for exams and my top five effective strategies for answering multi choice questions. All that and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. Pressure rolling at 30 degrees. 30 degrees there. So That's there. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 82 of the Flight Training Australia Podcast. A podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. G'day, I'm your host, Trent Robinson. Thank you for joining me. Well, how are we all going? Another big week. Heaps going on, isn't there? I've been so busy. I, um, I've actually been taking a bit of time off, but still managed to be busy. Really trying to plan a whole heap. Um, got a few things coming up. Getting into some more float plane flying. Going to do finish my floating hull off on Wednesday. Well, actually, I'm not going to finish it, but finally get back into it. Uh, working towards something else, which I'll uh, fill you all in on soon. And also, I've got a YouTube film shoot going on Wednesday, which will be uh, really, really fantastic. Looking forward to getting into that. So keep an eye out on Instagram and uh, on Patreon for some sneak peeks of what's going on there. Um, Before we get into today's episode, I I just noticed quite a bit of uh, this going on at the moment, especially with new students being vulnerable to headset scams. Uh, I I just find it bizarre that of all the things to be scamming people on, aviation headsets are uh, featuring, but there you go. It's uh, typically the Bose headsets. Um, I'm sure it can be the Lightspeeds as well, but the Bose seem to be the key target and people are giving up some very good hard-earned cash and ending up with nothing. So if that is you, uh, I'm truly sorry that it's happened. But if you are on the market for a headset, we do need to be a lot more careful. Special places like uh, Facebook Marketplace have become a absolute uh, well, breeding ground for scams. So if you are looking for a headset, just really take a few basic steps to uh, protect yourself. Check the seller profile number one. Usually they've just joined uh, one of the Facebook groups or one of the aviation groups and they their profile as well. Check the profile. They've only just joined. They've made no contributions in the past and there's no photos, there's no content to their profile page. Now that's not always a giveaway because... If they've got their page locked down, uh, that will be the case. You won't see very much. But check out their background. Try and find out who they are. Do they have any other posts? Does their profile picture match their name and their gender? Sometimes they don't even bother trying that hard. So have a look at that. And ask the group if anyone else knows them. Often one of our friends or colleagues has got a headset for sale and so you can get a couple of sort of reference checks from people going, yeah, yeah, he flies here or she and they're um good person and uh, you'll be fine. But ultimately, don't hand over any money. If you can at all help it, do it in person. Uh, don't do it online and hand over your cash. So just be careful out there because it is definitely a big problem. Also noticed a few questions on CASA license reprints and when you need to request one and when you don't. So just on that, Essentially, if you're going to get an RPL licence, you don't have a licence to write anything in. So that one's fairly straightforward. But if you're going to get a PPL or a CPL, uh, again, you cannot use that licence until it is issued by CASA and it then lands in your hot little hands. So make sure that you do have the actual licence. Part 91 has got privileges uh, now leaning towards the digital licence. So if you haven't done that before, you can go to mycasa.com And there's a link there. You can download your digital license. You've got to do it on your phone, though. You can't do it on the computer. And you can get a digital license into your Apple wallet. I'm not sure if it does it on Android phones. It goes into your Google wallet or whatever it's called. But definitely find out about that, and that will make your life a little bit easier as well. Um, but yeah, anything else, instrument ratings, instructor ratings, design features, or anything that's written into those boxes on your license, then that's in your license. It's effective immediately, so you can utilize whatever you just got immediately if you if you wish. If you want a a, a printout and a reissue, then that's up to you. If you don't like your boxes having people's handwriting in them, then you can pay for a reprint, but it's not required. And myself, if anyone's seen mine, mine's full of the last few years of proficiency checks and everything else uh, that's been added in there. And I like it because it's a bit of a history of what's going on. If you get a printout, then you lose that. So I'll definitely keep it, um, put it in your filing cabinet or drawer or something at home, uh, especially later on down the track. Sometimes you need to know the date of a particular test um, or scan it and copy it or something like that. But when you do get that new license, make sure you keep all those uh, boxed pages, all those blank pages. They form part of the license, and you need to keep them all together. All right. So, leading on from getting flight test done, before that is obviously exams. And if you're straight out of school, then you know studying's not too bad. But if you're a bit later in life and you're coming into aviation. Trying to get into a study rhythm or routine can be challenging. Either way, um, CASER exams, I do find them unique <laughs> in the way that they're structured and sometimes the way the questions are asked or even the waiting in each exam on a particular subject matter. One time you can get a whole heap of questions on a particular topic. Another student sits the same exam and hardly gets any. So There's really no cheats or or shortcuts in all this. We've, We've got to do the work. So my top five study tips for sitting an exam. Right, number one, funnily enough, understand the exam format and content. Now, you might go, well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But you'd be surprised how many people are going to try and attempt an exam with actually no research into what the exam is about. So before starting your study journey, you need to make sure you thoroughly understand the exam format, i.e. is it multi-choice, is it written answer, is it uh, doing landing and takeoff landing charts and that sort of thing, and the content, i.e. the subject matter, the syllabus. So you need to review the syllabus or the exam guidelines provided and take note of the key topics and areas of focus. This will give you a clear roadmap to follow and to help you prioritize your study materials effectively. So where do we get that from? We need to go into the MoS or the Manual of Standards. Now, if you've never heard of this, it is available free of charge on the CASA website with all the regulations and resources. So you need to go into the Part 61 Manual of Standards. Now, don't confuse that with Part 61 CASR or the Civil Aviation Safety Regulations. All right. As always, these links for anything I reference uh, today will be in the episode description. So you want to go into the manual standards schedule three and four. I'll go to schedule four first. That contains all the exam codes for the particular license or rating that you're seeking. So that will tell you what's needed. And it will also go into uh, the subject time or the time allowed for the exam and, um, the unit codes. You then go to Schedule 3 and that will have those unit exam codes and it will give you all the theory content that's in that. That essentially is your checklist. All right? So don't rely on what Bob Tate tells you or your instructor tells you or anything else. That is the checklist. That's everything that there are questions written on in that particular exam you're going to sit. So this is right from RPL right the way through to ATPL. All right. Any other info you might be able to use in things like the CASA exam workbooklet? So for the RPL, PPL, CPL exams, there is a CASA workbooklet. There's no real secrets to it. It's all online, and that will give you an idea of the charts that are being used because that's what's going to be printed out for you to use. So you can have a good look at that, be completely familiar with it. It shouldn't be something that you've seen for the first time in the exam. All right. After that, we want to start... Create a study plan. Now, by developing a study plan, it's crucial to staying organised and managing your time effectively. It will break down the topics that we've just gone through into smaller manageable sections and allocate specific study time for each. This is going to prevent you from feeling overwhelmed, or at least try and prevent you from feeling overwhelmed and allow you to cover all the necessary material without rushing. So make sure that you've done that. And this is where a ground school is really, really helpful, um, that the time is known. It's a little bit hard to know how much time do you need to allocate for each subject because, well, you've never done it before, all right? But you definitely want to try and cover off a few each week. So self-study or ground school, pros and cons. You might be happy to self-study. You might have a good studious mind that you can be disciplined to sit down and get it done. Other people need ground school to try and force them to do it because otherwise they'll just patronise, not patronise, um, what's the word? Procrastinate. That's the one. They're going to procrastinate and put things off. And God knows theory is not hard to do uh, that with. It's very easy to push away and do something else. Anything, even the dishes will sometimes be more appealing. All right. So the ground school is fantastic in a number of ways. It's structured. It will give you a good study timeline and the exam will typically be booked at the end of the course or very close to the end of the course so that you're committed to it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, where are you going to study? When are you going to study? After work, on weekends? Are you going to be mentally fatigued? Are you going to have time to do it? So be realistic with those study goals. All right, how long before the exam? Your instructor will be able to give you a bit of an idea on this, Um, but typically speaking, people leave it too late and they're flying. RPL is a classic example that they're well into the advanced general handling. They've only got a few flights to go and a couple of solos, and they haven't done the RPL BOK theory exam yet. That usually ends up in a cost blowout because you're doing a bit of extra flying just to keep yourself up to speed until you get that exam done. All right, so make sure you get stuck into it nice and early and if you're a flight instructor, make sure you're checking in on your students that they are indeed studying. All right, and like I said, do you book an exam date or not? Well, for me, it gives me a target. Yes, you can always push it back, but don't go into it with that view because that's what you'll do. There is a fee, a deferment fee for that, so you don't want to be doing that too many times either. All right, but having... A ground school course, maybe book the exam a week later or at the end if you're feeling comfortable. Um, But don't let it blow out and take too long to get done. All right, top tip number three is utilise different learning resources. So don't limit yourself to a single study source. Explore various learning materials such as textbooks, online resources and courses, videos and practice exams. All right, so different resources provide different perspectives. One of the big things I say with instructors is, you know, don't be upset if I go flying with your student and then they suddenly get it. It can happen the other way as well. It's not that I'm more experienced or anything. It's just sometimes you put it in a different uh, rephrase, put it differently, and suddenly it all clicks and makes sense. And YouTube videos and all the stuff that's available now it wasn't there when I was studying, um, there's some fantastic resources out there plus heaps of other dedicated theory books on particular uh, theory subject matter. So get out there, have a look and see what's there. And it can really give you a, a hand, but make sure it is reliable and up to date. Now, the theory of flight, that doesn't matter. So if you buy some old books and how an airplane goes up and down, lift weight, thrust drag, that's never changed. All right. But Anything air law related or part 61, part 91, all that sort of stuff, you definitely want to have the latest materials there. All right, and then you can decide do you want to go textbook in physical or do you want it on digital? You can access it on your computer or your iPad. All right, if you are going to look at YouTube videos, again, be cautious of the source, make sure that they're reasonably reliable and seem to know what they're doing. Good way to know that is have a look at the comments in the bottom of the video. If everyone's uh, ripping it, then it's probably good to move on. All right, top tip 4, active learning and engagement. So passive reading is not always effective when it comes to studying for exams. So engage in other learning techniques. Try and summarize the key points. You might want to create flashcards. You can do that again in physical format. There's heaps of apps on the phone or iPad that you can use, which will create digital flashcards for you, and you can create your own little uh, data question bank. All right, try teaching the material to someone else. So actively participating in the learning process helps retain information better, and it's going to enhance your overall understanding. And this is a key principle in instructor training. You might think you know a topic, but when you need to actually explain it to someone, you'll soon find out how well you know it. And the same goes for when we do instructor training in the air. Everyone can do a medium turn, usually, but when you have to try and fly it and talk about the key points without dribbling and saying too much, it can be quite a challenge. So this is a good way to get a bit of an idea. If you've got fellow students, then you can ask each other questions and help each other out as well which is a really great tool. All right, and the final tip for studying, number five, is practice, practice, practice. So practice is essential for exam success. You need to seek out practice questions as current and recent as possible. So any sample exams or past papers, past study notes, anything else you might find, this is all going to help familiarise you with the question format, improve your time management skills, especially for the time-critical exams, and highlight any weak areas that require further attention. In the early stages, by all means, work your way through the questions, have the open book, and do all that, but eventually you want to be doing it in exam conditions. So do it in the timeline, the time limit given. Do it without any reference material other than what's allowed in the exam. And this is all available on the CASA website. Again, the link will be in the episode description as to what you can take into exams. The problem with some practice exams is though they have incorrect answers and there's nothing more frustrating than trying to understand a topic, thinking you're knowing it, answering a question and getting it wrong incorrectly. So if you do do that, Especially if it's a, a practice exam that you've paid for or you've subscribed to online, bring it to the uh, publisher's attention and they'll either be able to give you an explanation as to, no, it is right, you're wrong and, and help you out maybe or they'll go, absolutely, yes, you are correct, thank you so much, and they'll correct it. It, it is a trap and, and this leads to you don't want to study the questions and the answers. You need to understand the content, all right? But sometimes... Instrument rating is a classic example, but really it's applicable all the way through. There's a lot of content there without the context. So you haven't seen or you don't know these terminologies or what it's talking about. You haven't seen it in action. It makes it hard to understand sometimes. So just factor that in when you're doing your practice exams and take notes on the areas you're not sure on, and then you can seek some individual help. And, of course, a personal tutor is also... An option here. All right. So that's all fine. But how about multi-choice questions? Well, these can make it easier to answer questions sometimes, but also sometimes harder, especially if your knowledge on the subject matter is a little bit weak. It can cause confusion. So let's have a look. Tip number one, read the question carefully. I think we've all heard RTFQ, read the flaming question. When you're faced with multi-choice questions, you've got to take the time to read each question carefully, especially if it looks like something that you've read in a practice exam. They know that these questions get put out there, and sometimes they flip them around a little bit. So you'll see the first bit and go, I know this, pick the answer, and in your version of the question, you did get it right but because it's been rephrased, you may get it wrong. So be careful. Make sure you read the whole question in full and interpret it correctly. So pay attention to keywords such as not, except, or always, as they can significantly impact the correct answer. So understanding the question's context will help you eliminate incorrect options and make a good informed choice. So CASA questions are renowned for negative questions. Which of the following is not correct? So translate that into normal English. Which of the following is incorrect or wrong? Which is the wrong answer? Three of them will be correct. One of them will be incorrect. All right, top tip number two, eliminate clearly incorrect answers. Sometimes you get lucky and if you come across answer choices, they're clearly incorrect, just eliminate them straight away. Now, this was great when we used to have paper exams. We could just put a line through it. You can't do that on the screen because you're going to typically be doing cyber exams now. So you've got to just uh, make note somehow that which ones you are eliminating. All right? This is going to narrow down your options and now increase the likelihood of getting the right answer. So it definitely helps. And even if you're not sure, if there's some clearly incorrect answers there, knock them out. It will help you, especially if you don't know what you're doing usually there's going to be two, which leaves you a 50-50 choice at the end. So what now? All right, well, top tip number three is now look for clues and keywords. So scan the question and the answer choices for clues and keywords that may guide you toward the correct option. Look for specific terms or definitions or phrases that align with your knowledge of the subject matter. So sometimes the wording of the question can provide hints Uh, to what you need to be picking. So I try and read the question and answer it in my head first, then have a look at the answers and see if there's something that matches, all right? Then you can use the other techniques to confirm or eliminate the options, particularly good for air law questions. If you start reading all the answers, it can eliminate or create a bit of doubt and make you get a little bit confused on what you previously thought was right. All right, so this is all good. But what if you just got no idea? Well, top tip number four, use the process of elimination. So if you're just unsure about the correct answer, just work through it and use the process of elimination. Cross out options that you know are incorrect. This will leave you with a smaller pool. This strategy will increase your odds, but then have a think about what's left. Sometimes there's two kind of correct answers, and again, what an irritating concept, but one of them will be more correct. So really look at the question and what is it asking you? One of the answers will be more directly linked to that question than the other. And finally, top tip number five, don't overthink it. All right, It's important to avoid overthinking or second-guessing yourself when answering multi-choice questions. Trust your initial instincts as they're often more reliable than overanalyzing the options. So when you're at the end and you're going through it, unless you have a compelling reason to change your answer, stick to your first choice. I can't count how many times students have got questions wrong and going, oh, damn it, I had that and then I changed it. All right, so go with your initial gut instincts. It is generally always right. Unless you're looking at it and you can give yourself three reasons why it's wrong and you did make an honest mistake... Fine, change it, of course, but otherwise, don't. All right, so there you have it. Top five study tips for exams and answering multi-choice questions. I hope that helps you. And uh, remember, success in aviation exams requires a combination of knowledge, preparation, and good test-taking question-answer strategies. So by following those tips, you'll be well-equipped to excel in your studies and achieve your aviation goals. Just remember, stay focused, maintain a positive mindset and take care of yourself during exam prep. Don't forget to manage your time wisely. Give yourself breaks to avoid burnout. If it all just starts becoming foggy, just walk away or move on to a different subject and come back to it. And always remember that learning is a journey. So be patient with yourself and celebrate your progress along the way. All right, guys, if you found those tips helpful, please share this episode with your fellow aviation enthusiasts and students. If you have any specific topics or questions you'd like me to try and cover in future episodes, again, make sure you reach out to me on email, info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au or search Trent Robinson Aviation on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn and good old TikTok there. All right, guys, until next week, blue skies, happy studying and remember the golden rule aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers.